Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Frog Snacks podcast. We're here after a short one-week hiatus with episode 75, and uh, it couldn't have come at a better time because uh, there was some, uh, there was a, a little bit of a development in what we talked about the last time we spoke, which was about, uh, at least a little bit, was about No Man's Sky. And here we are in uh, the couple of... No Man's Skyland. Yeah, the the couple of days after the release of No Man's Sky, and um, Frog and I really just wanted to come out here and, you know, really quickly talk about some initial reactions and kind of uh, harken back to what we were saying the last time um, you know, kind of, uh, letting you know that we all, that we told you so. <laughs> well, to be clear, this is reactions to reactions because neither of us have played this thing yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the internet commentariat has, um, definitely had their say on this game and, uh, it has been a mixed bag to say the least. Yeah, it and the the problem with the mixed bag at this point in the hype cycle, as we were saying before, is that it is just uh, it's deflating, really. Um, you know, here yeah, the hype balloon has definitely been punctured. Yeah, yeah, the the bubble has burst, and you know, people don't hate it, but there's definitely a, a lot of what the uh, initial playthrough were uh, the, the guy who got the the first copy of the game. Uh, a lot of what he was saying about the game seems to have been not just him and other people are having similar reactions to it. They're saying it's, you know, the, the, the scope is uh, great. It might not be as big as we thought it was going to be. There's certainly a lot of ambition here. They did a lot of things. Well, the world looks pretty. It's uh, it has its merits, but we were promised uh, so much more and we had a lot of, uh, you know, we had a lot of expectation going into this and here we are with this game that is just fine and that's exactly what we uh, postulated would happen. Well, even... See, I'm, I'm of two minds with this, but let's start with the first part, which is that I don't know if it even it's going to be uh, the word just fine because at least from some of the reviews and player comments I've seen, uh, you have people who are like, it gets flat out boring very quickly, mm-hmm. um, which is probably not the reaction that they wanted uh, to get because it seems that the game that the trailers seemed to imply was going to be one that was hardcore about exploration and about what's beyond the next corner, right? Right. Uh, and the game that we got uh, appears to be one that's about exploration, yes, but more about surviving to get to the exploration. Yeah. And, and that seems to be part of where uh, people's sticking points have come is because that the survival elements um, have been criticized for being, if not undercooked, certainly not up to par with, um, with other survival games and seemingly at odds with the rest of the game's design. Yeah, see, uh, it, it's it's tough because, you know, you have to, from a, a few of the things that I read, it seems that a lot of the people who are finding enjoyment in the game have to look elsewhere other than how the game expects you to do it. So right. there was um, one article that said something like, I, I played the game for a long time and wasn't really enjoying myself, and then I started to just kind of go off the beaten path and kind of... Uh, discover what it was about the game that would appeal to me and none of that stuff is immediately apparent. And here we have it in stark contrast with Abzu, which I talked about last time, I believe, but uh, have since finished. It's And it's um, and it, it kind of does the same thing, but in a much more pointed way. You, you know exactly uh, what you're getting into and you know exactly whether or not you will find enjoyment in this. It, you know, um, type of, uh, presentation. Um, are you going to just sit back and kind of, uh, enjoy the ride for this game? Um, or are you going to try and get some type of fulfillment outside of, uh, the type of feeling that you would get from like seeing a very beautiful painting? Um, and you know, the, the 
price point was much smaller as well. Of course. So here you have a uh, a $60 game where it's saying, you know, you can you can get this type of feeling. You can uh, land it on a planet and just walk around it and appreciate the planet for what it is and the wildlife for what they are and uh, document and log everything. And that's, it sounds like a fun, cool thing, especially for all the perfectionists out there uh, in, in the gaming multiverse, which there are many of. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you, you're, you're given a, quite a laundry list of things to do. There's even, um, there's even a somewhat of a narrative end to the game by either, you know, finding this, uh, this talisman type thing or getting to the center of the universe. So you have to worry about that as well. And you have to go into it, not knowing what it is exactly about it. You are trying to get out of it, I think. And that's part of the problem. Right. So it's 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 complicated, and you know, again, just due to the um, due to the its its involvement in in the hype cycle, it's um, you know we're we're at this point now where the game is released and uh, reviews are and people are tight <laughs> and people are tight. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a game that is victim of its own hype, and I mean, I even hesitate to call it a victim because I'm sure it's going to do very well. And it, the, the reaction does not seem to be universally negative in the way that, for example, um, the latest Assassin's Creed was, you know, completely borked <laughs> and people were furious even though the initial premise looked cool uh, or something like that. Or a Resident Evil game, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not something quite to that level, but it's definitely an example of when... Uh, people get swept up in trailers and uh, pre-release hype. You know, I've, as I've gotten older, I don't know how you're going to feel on this one, but uh, as I've gotten older, I've become more and more, I guess the word is uh, not only skeptical, but like actively critical, I guess, of trailers in general. Yeah. For indie games, I still like them because... If I need a one-minute snapshot of what this game is, especially in an environment when there's like a billion every year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a trailer is very helpful to give me that snapshot. But for most big titles, I'm kind of like, whatever. Like, I rarely even watch, unless I had no prior interest in the game, I don't even look at trailers anymore. Actually, I barely even look at pre-release coverage, for that matter. Uh one, because I find that it spoils way too much of the game. Uh, and two, because it's so difficult to get anything resembling an accurate representation of what this product is going to be like um, from any of the pre-release footage. So it, it's kind of a thing where you have to kind of say to yourself, am I going to gamble and put my money down or not? Even And it's even more of a gamble nowadays because half the time games ship and they don't work on the first day. So here's... Uh, here's how I'm going to contribute to this conversation. I feel similarly, but I think for different reasons, not because I think that game trailers are, are somehow doing the game a disservice or aren't giving me enough or are giving me too much information. It's that I have been playing, uh, I've been playing video games my whole entire life and I have a pretty good idea of what I like and, the types of developers that are going to bring me something that I am going to want to play. Uh, and the, the names and the directors and publishers involved and, uh, all this other stuff. So yeah, for, for indie games, this type of thing is, is a little bit more of a necessity because you're going to hear about something and not know about the developer, not know what type of game it is. You you'll get a, a very small snippet of a genre. Maybe it'll be like, it's a, it's a roguelike platformer or something like that. And that doesn't really tell you, you know, uh, enough about it. So you have to, you have to go towards something. And, and at this point you can, you've been playing video games for long enough to know what exactly it is that you should gra- gravitate towards to get additional information. And the trailer might not be your uh, method of choice. You might want to go to a review or you might want to watch a stream of the game. Uh, There are lots of other uh, ways for you to gather this information. So 
I think that I feel the same way. I really don't watch trailers. Is if I know a game is coming out and I'm just I'm so enamored with the concept and I'm and I've been waiting for it for so long, I'm going to avoid uh, everything about right. it because I don't want anything to be spoiled. Um, but if if it's something that I that has like piqued my interest, but I don't really know what to expect and I need to read more about it, I will do just that. I will read about it. I find a I find an article like a smartly written article is better for me than a uh, a stream or a trailer. I would agree with that for the most part, unless it's, again, like a totally new concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first game that I totally put myself on blackout for was MGS4. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't want to know anything. Like, the fact that I knew that it opened in the Middle East, I was already annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> uh then again, I shouldn't say total blackout because I watched like the major trailers that got put out at like E3 and whatever, mm-hmm. which actually gave well they didn't totally give away the game, especially a game as convoluted as MGS4, but they they did give away some of like the major set piece moments or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of that, I didn't want to know anything about what was going on uh, for fear that I would have the experience spoiled for me. But after and after that's only just gotten more ridiculous. Anytime I have big anticipated games, like even with Breath of the Wild, I, I watched a little of the footage just to know what exactly the concept was going into this game. But after that, it's like I don't want to know anymore. Yeah, I, I've I've done this quite a bit. I even did it with Abzu only because I knew that uh, part of the thing I was going to enjoy about the game was was looking at it. So I thought, why would I watch a trailer? I'm going to see this stuff and then, you know, then I'm going to see it again in the game and it's not going to have the same effect. So I did that with Abzu. Uh, I, I, I do it quite often. Um, I think the only types of games that I would uh, really, really pay a lot of attention to the visuals of would me, would be maybe a... Uh, like an RTS game because the UI is so crucial. Vital, right? Uh, so you know, I, I need to know. I need to know that how it's laid out. Uh, other than that, I for for like narrative AAA or even um, familiar indie developers stuff like that. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be putting myself on black. Uh, the uh, polar opposite, though, on the other hand. I will I will go out of my I will stick my neck out to see and hear and look at and play anything that I possibly could for uh, the newest super giant game Pyre. So we played it at ah uh, yes I played it at Pyre I played it at, I played it at Pyre I played it at PAX I got really lucky played it at PAX and there we haven't heard anything else about it but if they release a, a trailer if they release like first hour of gameplay like I'm gonna watch it I. I I am going to watch it. I'm I'm putting all stock into it. I I'm, I want to know everything about it. I want it to be released right now. Um, I'm not going to be put on blackout for that because I know that they're not going to you know reveal any plot twist or anything like that in that type of thing. But I I want to see more of it because it was such an interesting concept and you can always expect stuff like that from Supergiant. But but yeah yeah uh, yeah I get that. Like for super, this I guess there's a certain tier. Of high anticipation, uh, where where it suddenly becomes okay to go look at everything. Yeah. Um, and I guess for me, it depends on, I suppose, um, the the extent to which I don't know what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. Like with MGS, you you never quite know what you're getting into uh, with a Kojima game because there's course. going to be a ton of moments where random batch of craziness is going to start happening yeah uh a new zelda game especially one where they basically reinvented the whole concept we don't know what's going to happen uh so that's those are instances where i don't want to know but for something like for example uh a new mario game even though the, the mario games always have some crazy new twist or element in them at the end of the day they're going to be action platformers right yeah so I can get, you know, I, I don't feel bad about watching some of the pre-release stuff for that because that will just build my anticipation for the game. Um, trying to think of a, another example of that. Something like, let's say, um, or any of these uh, uh, Mega Force Warriors games, right? 
We yeah. all know what the formula is. Right. We just want to know what crazy new way did they come up with to put a twist on it. So stuff like that where it's like a permutation of something that already exists, I'm cool with. With looking at the pre stuff. But going back to No Man's Sky. Um, yeah, it's a victim of its own hype, but I don't feel, given what I've seen, that, you know, uh, this was a... I don't even want to use the word worthless. That this was all for naught, I guess. No, of course, of course not. Yeah, and that's why I was hesitating earlier in this discussion because I was like, I hesitate to come out the gate being like, the game sucks, I told you so. Right. Because I I always want to applaud uh, any developer to try something new. And not only did they try something new, but they tried something that was quite ambitious. a humongous game that was only developed by 15 people. Right. Like, it, it's sheer madness. And everything that I've read about it has has at least given that credit where cr- the credit has been due. And I I think that a lot of the uh the lot of the consternation has been over um a little bit of a disconnect between, you know, what these what this like very very small team uh, is was even capable of doing in the first place, and what the fan base expected was going to be was going to come in that in that uh, in that game, right? Which was simply unrealistic. Exactly, and and especially because they basically gave up all of their lives. If you read any of their interviews, to to get this far, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you have to take these uh, you have to take these reviews, and you have to take these first looks, and you have to understand that. Uh, a, a large part of the uh, critical mediocrity is due to the uh, the hype cycle. It's it's I'm I'm very I'm very much convinced that the reviews wouldn't be as mixed if this game was released unbeknownst to anybody and then had just been discovered like a, like an Undertale or something like that. So. That's absolutely true. So That's absolutely true. Right. So so this is this is the grain of salt that you need to be reading into all of this with if you're still interested in the game and haven't picked it up. So let's get into a couple of different points on this then. Yeah. So the first point is that uh, this is hardly the end for this game. In fact, in many ways, I think this is a strong start. Actually, I kind of feel even worse for Sean Murray and his team now because given that they must have had like a single-minded obsession to just get this thing out the door mm-hmm. uh, and now they're going to hear all this feedback and I'm sure they're going to just be burning to prove themselves again and address a lot of it. Uh, so in many ways, this really is only the beginning because, what again, what the comments that I've seen basically said that they're off to a start here. They have they have essentially an unfinished product because you have all the crazy technology and, okay, this is cool, I have all this cool stuff. But the game itself, the actual moment-to-moment gameplay is not fleshed out enough to, um, to really make the experience worth it. So what I imagine is going to happen is that they're going to go to work now to beef up the actual gameplay elements and adjust the things that people didn't like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So whether, now what form that will take, whether it's uh, patches or big expansions, maybe big paid expansions, or even in a new game. Uh, who knows what form that will take. But I, I'm very confident that this is only going to be the beginning for this team and for this game. Uh, and so... Even though we definitely have to say we told you so as far as it wasn't going to live up to hype, uh, I'm definitely very positive about where it's going to go. Yeah, that's a, that's a good hypothesis. I think you're probably right. And again, don't, you, can't, um, you, can't, you can't at all call this game a, a true disappointment or a failure or anything like that. Right, yeah. It's just that it was never going to be you know, the, the, the complete game changer that it was built to be. Though right. in a sense, it already is, isn't it? Because 
the fact that they were able to achieve what they have with such a small team is, I think, going to send shockwaves through the industry. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, everybody's paying attention, and that in and of itself is a success, right? Absolutely. Hello, Hello Games could do so it, much from here. Yeah, because if you, if you think about it, one of the things that I've been considering the last couple of years is that, and I think we've talked about it a little bit before, which is that uh, with all these new tools that are out there, you know, Unity and the, the beefed up Unreal Engine and things like that, small teams can now do what big teams 10 years ago were doing, right? Right. So... And I think this is a great example of that. They had, they clearly had a lot of very advanced technology at their disposal, which made it possible for only 15 of them to take on this Herculean task. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of enterprising small teams out there saying, well, wait a minute. If we can come up with some concept and maybe throttle back our ambition some or whatever, I'm sure we can pull off something that's similarly impressive and attention-grabbing as a No Man's Sky. And that is truly going to be uh, a watershed moment if that comes to to pass. Because right now, the AAA market is still maintaining relevance because they can do scope and scale better than anybody else, right? Right. You're not, to date small teams can't give you something on the level of a Fallout 4 or a Skyrim or an MGS5, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but No Man's Sky is, I think, a first shot across the bow saying, well, wait up, wait up a second. Maybe we can. Right. And, it, and if that is true, we will truly be entering uh, bloody waters as far as competition. Definitely. And I think that that would segue nicely into the other thing that we wanted to talk about Mm-hmm. which is another, uh, you know, game that is a long time in the making and uh, highly anticipated and being talked about all of the time and is coming out later this year, but is a AAA title. Uh, we were talking about Final Fantasy XV. So like we needed the, the victory fanfare there, but anyway, go on. <laughs> you know, that was my... Uh, that was my ringtone. Like when you were first, when you first like could oh, I, I set. I vividly remember. Yeah, you remember that, right? When you I like, vividly remember. You could that. you could like first? I remember how I did it too. I had my, uh, I was playing through Final Fantasy Nine, and uh, it, I was in high school because because it, it was still a flip phone. So this this was uh this was back in like two thousand six two thousand seven, and I I had to record the sound the sound clip by like doing a battle recording it with my phone cuz i couldn't get on the on the internet with my phone and like download it and like set it through like iTunes or anything like that cuz it was a i think it was a uh, a Sony Ericsson phone right and Oof. so i had to record it and then set the recording so the the quality was terrible but it was the uh it was the victory fanfare for uh for Final Fantasy it was the specifically the Final Fantasy 9 one and uh, I had that until I no longer had that phone, which was um, t- not too long after that moment because it was an old ass phone. But <laughs> yeah, I, re- I didn't know you had to go through all that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. What I had done to make some of the various gaming ringtones I had is that I would go download like the sound clips or whatever, or if I had the soundtrack or whatever, you can go into iTunes and you can, you know, edit clips out. And I did that way, but yeah, yeah. Well, right now Sometimes. I've got uh, for my for my text tone, I have the um, I have the the terminal login uh, tone from um, from Transistor, and all I had to do was uh, oh, Supergiant has it for free on their on their website, so I just went to the Supergiant website, downloaded it, it was free, and saved it to iTunes, and then when you plug in your iPhone, you could set it as your ringtone or as your uh, text tone. And it was just, I was like, wow, this is the easiest thing ever. And then for a while, everybody had the, uh, the, uh, Mel your salad alert. Uh, yeah, I was I felt so annoyed because I thought I was so hot for one. Oh to my do God. That. Every, I, I was, it was like, as soon as, as soon as this technology became easy, easy, like easily doable, like 
once a week, someone's someone's uh, ringtone would go off in class, and it would be, it would be that. It would be <laughs> the, the alert noise, and everybody would turn uh, <laughs> because they're like, "Was I seen?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good aside, but yeah, good times. But yes, Final Fantasy fifteen. Right. So, uh, like we were saying before, the the big advantage that AAA titles have right now over indie games is the size and the scope. And this right now is going to be, other than uh, fourteen and eleven, I suppose, is going to be really the the first like mainline Final Fantasy game that is uh, purported to be. Uh, open world and fully explorable and uh, mission-based rather than a traditional linear JRPG, and they are clearly trying to mirror the success of games like it. Skyrim, um, Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, The Witcher 3, uh, games like this, and put it in the Final Fantasy universe, which sounds great. Um, But, you know, here, here and we have... Uh, a franchise that is on a that is a, a at a bit of a different stage in its lifespan, and it's oh, not you're being nice. It's in decline, and we call spade a spade. Right, so we are not seeing the hype cycle in a traditional sense, where this big name uh, developer is like, we're coming out with this big game, and you know, three years later, we've just gotten snippets and we've gotten a demo, and everybody's really excited about it, and now the pressure is on. It's very much the opposite. It's nobody cares about Final Fantasy anymore. Uh, all the internet people are out there saying that there hasn't been a good Final Fantasy since uh, the 21st century started. And in many ways, they're they're nostalgia whoring, but also in a lot of ways, they're really just um, echoing the sentiment that the Final Fantasy series is has been going on for a very very long time and how do you bring final fantasy which is older than the both of us by the way not by a lot but yes it is not by a lot but it is technically older than us into into 2016 uh it is scheduled to be released in december i believe of this year november they moved to november november um and you know, right in time for the holiday season, and I'm sure it'll sell really well. But what what's going to happen? I mean, do well, I let's see? Let's let's stop right there. Do we even know if it's going to sell really well? Because see, this is why I said you have to call a spade a spade. Because and even Square has itself admitted that this is a major moment for them uh, in FF land, right? Because. The last 10 or so years of Final Fantasy, actually a little longer than that, call it like 13, 14 years of Final Fantasy have been like a colossal disaster. <laughs> so really, actually we're bordering on 20 because I'm going to go all the way back to 10 because 10 was uh, one of the more divisive entries, right? Well, 10 was 2000 or 2001. Yeah, so you see what I'm saying? I'm going back even longer than 15 years now. Uh, so 10 was fairly divisive, but that was nothing compared to after December, December, 2001. There you go. So yeah, well, there you go. It's actually 15 years in, but anyway, so, so you had that 10 came out. It was kind of divisive at the time. Still is frankly, uh, X2 came out. Most people hated it. (laughs) Uh, 11 came out, which was the MMO fans love it. Well, maybe not love, but they liked it. Liked it enough that it's still running, at least. Yep. Uh, but it was confusing that they decided to put it as a mainline title, which to this day I still think is silliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12 came out, which is one of those games that everybody was talking a lot of shit about at the time, but uh, a lot of the fans have come out of the woodwork in more recent years. I still am not a fan, but I'm willing to give it a chance when the remasters come out. 12 is the only one that I have not played. Um in my opinion, not missing much, but hey, you know. I found out that Famitsu gave it a perfect score when it came out. <laughs> well, then Famitsu needs to sit down. But <laughs> Holy shit. A lot of people have been saying Famitsu is going down the toilet, and that certainly did not help uh, their argument, did it? Uh, I mean, the Famitsu side. Fair. Uh, <laughs> so you had 12, which was 
at least you could say yet another divisive game, and then God help us, thirteen came out. And mm-hmm. I say God help us not because I dislike thirteen, as you know, yeah, uh, but because it instantly became the shitstorm of shitstorms. Like there are very few games that I can even. The only other series that I think has uh, gone into so much of a shit hurricane as Final Fantasy post thirteen is Resident Evil. Yeah, I yeah. Res, Resident Evil is at the is is in a similar state at, but it's not at thirteen levels yet. I think thirteen was for a lot of people the the last straw. Like yeah, they, thirteen to a lot of people was like a betrayal on the level of like finding uh, your spouse cheating with your brother or something. Yeah, uh, that's the level of. of vitriol that was spewed at that game yeah it was there were a lot of uh there were a lot of like hashtag never agains and stuff like that (laughs) it was it was bad yeah it was you know there was a walkout at the at the convention and it was it was horrible uh so between that and the fact that now don't forget that even 13 now is pretty old 13 dropped what 2009 i want to say Ooh. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to look that one up. I don't even know. He's gonna get the facts there. I'm gonna I get think the it's facts. 2009, uh, in America at least. So that game came out, and World I mean, the two sequels came out that nobody outside of the the, the fan base that actually did like 13 cared. Mm-hmm. So we haven't talked about a Final Fantasy game that at least a sizable number of people liked since 10. Right. So uh, 13 came out in Japan in 2009, uh, but it saw worldwide release a couple years or a couple of months later, March 9th, March 9th, 2010. See, that game's already six years old. Okay, it came out March 9th, 2010 worldwide for PS3. The Xbox 360 release was for uh, holiday 2010. Right, right, right. That's right. Yep. Well, yeah, so we, we it's been now, since a, a game where uh, you had, a, we'll call it a critical mass of people enjoyed it, not since 10, in 2001, mm-hmm. which is, for a franchise, an obscenely long time, and in between that, Japanese RPGs in general have definitively lost their place as a premier genre in gaming, as far as sales are concerned. Mm-hmm. So, the question here. In fact, so much so, in fact, that as I look at Final Fantasy XV, kind of in the, the being mentioned in the same breath as all of these games now, these other games, it seems to be a very odd standout, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you have it being mentioned in the same breath as things like Gears 4, Titanfall 2, etc., No Man's Sky, etc., etc. All Western games and, you know... Uh, Aside from the ones we mentioned, we're mostly going to be talking about shooters, right? Mm-hmm. So for this game to even be a, kind of a thing is already an anomaly. So the pressure is on so enormously on Square to deliver here. Because if they don't deliver, I mean, not to be fatalistic about it, but that's kind of it for JRPGs as a as a AAA genre. I don't... If this game can't succeed, I don't think you're going to see one that can. Uh, yeah, this is everything's on the table here for fifteen. Yeah, this is, and now people will say Persona Five. Now Persona Five can come back and be a big hit, but I think the caveat people have to remember is it could be a big hit for Atlas. Uh, right. Atlas is used to selling fairly low numbers uh, against you know the Call of Duties or whatever in the world. So if Persona 5 comes out and does a 2 or 3 million in the West, that will pro- for them that's probably going to be a really big deal. Yeah, definitely. And it it has the potential to, but at the same time I think it's going to uh, kind of encounter the same hurdles as Final Fantasy 15 will, where does this type of game have a space and if it does um, is, is that, is that space as big as it used to be? And I don't mean as big as in like market share. I mean, as in like, look at a game like I am Setsuna 
which did all of the things that you, you know, could reasonably want a, you know, uh, old school JRPG to do, but it was uh, smaller on purpose and cheaper even. And this was, uh, I think, one of its best qualities. So that was purposely a uh, a smaller scale project, right? So you could say, okay, well, you know, people still like these types of games, but aren't going to spend eighty hours on it. Um, They're not going to breed chocobos because uh, to get to the the one island that has knights of the round on it, like that sounds that that is sounds a little preposterous. uh, In twenty sixteen, in twenty sixteen, you know, there are still people who are out here doing you know, doing stuff like that. There's still perfectionists out there, sure. Um, but when the competition uh, is so great and there is so much going on in in terms of, um, you know, uh, mod- the mod scene and uh, there's there are a lot of games that can uh, scratch the similar itch. Um, does it... Does Final Fantasy XV need to be what it is? Because uh, here's the issue: if it's not that, then what is it? It's it's a uh, it's like on the scale of I am Setsuna, and if it's that, then everybody's pissed because it's uh, they like sold uh, Final Fantasy short. They're like, this is Final Fantasy. It's supposed to be a big deal. A, a it's big epic deal. It's right. Final Fantasy. But if they make it this big deal, like who cares? But if they don't make it this big deal, then, then people still care because they're mad. And just like, it just seems like it's, it just seems like it's not, uh, like the timing isn't right. It's just not a thing that needs to be here right now. Almost. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if it doesn't need to be because what if it turns out to be really good then? Sure. And it could be. If it turns out to be really good by again, a critical mass of people's, uh, standard, then uh, it, it actually could be very useful, not even just for Japanese RPGs, but for Japanese games in general, uh, because it can kind of open up a space in the conversation for them again that has largely been lost. Uh, I mean, we've had the Keiji Inafunes and the Kojimas of the world talking about how Japan has, <laughs> how Japan is finished in Inafunes words. Uh, and I mean, sadly, if we're talking about uh, being a part of the big game conversation, uh, his words have largely rung true. Yeah. But, you know, Final Fantasy is still kind of that last pillar. Well, them and all of Nintendo are yeah. kind of the last pillars of big popular Japanese games are still in the mix. So if this succeed, I think it can really uh, help open up some space uh, for Japanese development to, to shine again. Right, but what do you think it would need to do exactly to to nail it? Like, are are you just are you just um, betting on you know decent reviews and good sales, or are you do you think it needs to do something you know massive? Because right now it 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 doesn't seem to be latching on to any type of uh, gimmick other than it's the first open world Final Fantasy that's not an MMO, and like the characters are like seem kind of lame and there aren't that many of them and they're all just wearing black and they're all they're all men and like that's boring it seems boring like they're but they're not they're not trying to get you to focus on that they're trying to get you to focus on how the game overall picture yeah like how the game works right Um, which i mean if as i i've been saying in general japanese rpgs uh the the how everything works is at the end of the day i feel the most important thing Uh, and clearly where most of the effort is spent. Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy games, they spend more effort than most Japanese developers do on the the story elements and things like that, but clearly most of the development time and effort is spent on putting together a gameplay system that they believe is uh, strong. Mm -hmm. And to me, no better example of that than 13... Because people mostly, most of the complaining you hear about 13 is about ancillary elements. I hate these characters. This game is too linear. Uh, things like that. Where are the airships? Where are the chocobos? Things like that. Yeah. Uh, 
most people, from what I could tell, did not have too much beef with the core battle system and gameplay. The paradigm system. Yeah. So, which I think speaks to the fact that they spent time designing a very strong battle system. Right. So do you think that... Uh, well, I didn't answer your question yet. So to okay. answer your question, <laughs> uh, I'm kind of of two minds. Uh-huh. Which is that if it comes out to good reviews and good sales, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a manager at Square Enix, the number one thing that matter is uh, how many numbers did it move, right? Right. That's that's the number one operative thing, despite all the hate, because people will talk shit and buy it anyway. Uh, but though they do have to pay some attention to the reviews and the commentary, because if people really trash it like they did 13, they won't be back. And especially now. Yeah. Uh, because Final Fantasy is already dead to a lot of people. But the other thing I wonder is how much is it going to be necessary for the game to latch on to Western development trends? So already it's adopted open world, but how much is it going to need to ape the mechanics of, you know, the GTAs, the Far Cries, et cetera, et cetera, in the world to remain relevant? Because that's really if we get to your question of what is it going to take for it to remain relevant, that's where it becomes hard. Because if you're going to be a triple-A game in today's marketplace, you have to appeal to what Western gamers are used to. And what they're used to are all these open-world games. But at the same time, many of the people who will be buying your games are from the old-school era and, and want to have you know, some of the nostalgic creature comforts of Final Fantasy. So it's really, really hard for them to strike that balance. Personally, I think it's an impossible balance to strike. But, I mean, it really remains to be seen. But that, I think, is what's going to determine their success or failure. How well they strike a balance between being modern enough to appeal to the now many people who never gave a shit about Final Fantasy while uh, tickling the nostalgia centers of the people who did. Yeah, well, listen, you're, you're never going to, when you're appealing to the masses, you're never going to be able to touch all the bases, right? You're never going to be, you're never going to appeal to every, there's always going to be something that somebody wishes were different about it. But uh, I think that you were onto something when you were talking about, um, you know, like, like focusing on, on the battle system. Mm-hmm. While while pertaining to this like uh, g- like the general ideals of Western games, right? So they've got the open world, they've got uh, you know all that aesthetic type stuff. But uh, what is going to set them apart, right? They're look at let's look at Skyrim, right? Right. Skyrim uh, is a great game. Everyone loves Skyrim. What's the shittiest part about Skyrim? Combat. Exactly. So it does it does everything else really well though, and it's got this great mod scene and everything. So uh, let's look at another one, uh, GTA. What what does GTA do well? Right. Open and world. Open world. Uh, it's got uh, all the vehicles. Right. And having a billion things to do. Yeah, but is is the combat anything special? Not exactly. Um, so this is probably going to be it. I think that if they can nail the battle system and create a lot of ways for you to augment it um, in, in traditional RPG format where maybe you have to uh, get materials to craft certain spells and weapons... Uh, maybe you need to go out of your way to do some of these things um, in a way that feels that uh, you know scratches the completionist itch. Uh, maybe you have to set up your team in such a way where you can only do certain attacks if certain abilities are uh, certain conditions are met and stuff like that. This is where they're going to really be that that one game for these types of people while still being this you know, one of many large open-world Western-style games. That's a thought. The only thing is that, in general, we also know that part of the reason that JRPGs are out of favor is that uh, you and I love a good 
complex battle system, but most people don't. Uh, and even though you're completely correct to say that that would be a differentiating factor, uh, I think, I, I still wonder, I should say, I still wonder if that's going to be uh, a good differentiating factor or a sticking point for people in 2016 anyway. I, th- I think that that's going to be it. I think that that is going to be it. There's, there's nothing that we've seen about it that really ma- that really makes it anything other than an open world Final Fantasy game. But if it's going to remain, if it's going to remain relevant, it's got to be it's got to be fun. The battle system has to be fun, and then they could all they could always add all these things in. Like you don't have to go and farm materials to make this one ability so that you can beat this one boss. You can just play through the game and enjoy the uh, the the world and the hair and fly around in that car and that's going to be fun for a lot of people and as long as the uh, as long as the, the 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 story and the enemies are cool enough then they'll want to keep going but then for the people who are going to take it more seriously you're going to need uh, that this other element uh, the 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 crafting the ability stuff the the tinkering with the team to make it what it is. I did this a lot in I Am Sets and I switched my party around several times to create this like perfect synergistic, uh, you know, tech laden team. This is, this is what is, this is what makes RPGs fun. Right. So they're going to have to figure out a way to do that. And I mean, not figure it out. They, they must have already figured this out. The game is coming out very shortly. So. Yeah. I mean, I hope it does well, like I said, cause I don't want to see, uh, JRPGs go entirely underground, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I have. I would be lying if I did not say that I am not particularly optimistic about its uh, market chances. Uh, simply because I think that, given that so many people shat on thirteen, and that between that debacle and the other debacles. And we didn't even touch 14, which was just poisonous for the Final Fantasy brand name in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you have an entire generation of people who Final Fantasy is not that respected name. Oh, absolutely you know? not. I mean, if you were if you were born in, you, you know... If you were ten, born in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, if you were born in the 90s, it, Final Fantasy doesn't really matter to you. Right. Uh, unless you were one of the people who decided after hearing older folks like us, uh, which is a weird thing to say, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, hearing you know, the older brother types like us online screaming about Final <laughs> Fantasies, you know, like four through nine. Yeah, uh, literally screaming. Yeah, literally <laughs> screaming, you must play it. <laughs> yeah. If you, just, if you were enterprising enough to go back and play those, then maybe you were like, okay, I get why people think this is a thing. But if not, and the vast majority of people not, yeah. <laughs> then it's like, oh, there's this thing, you know? And, and you might get some people who are going to check it out out of curiosity and, again, out of the older people who will be screaming because it's yet another Final Fantasy and for us it's a big deal just because it's Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and if it doesn't deliver on that first time, that that's it. You know what I liken this to? Uh, this is a lot like MGS5, actually. Because I know a good number of people who MGS5 was the first one of the series that they played. Since the very first one, I should say. Since MGS1. Mm-hmm. Now, that makes me cringe to say. Yeah, I'm, one be- I'm biting my tongue. Yeah, one, because I, I'm a fan, and also because just on the, the, the element of how dare you not have experienced the rest of the storyline and then hop into 5. But 5 was clearly designed so that you don't need to have uh, experienced the rest of the storyline. Right. Right? And it was clearly designed in a way to... Uh, so it's basically Kojima and Ko saying, hey, we can party in the AAA game space just like the rest of you. That was what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And they succeeded. Yeah. They succeeded. If 
uh, we're not going to talk about Metal Gear Survive right now, but assuming Kojima had not left Konami, he would be set up very, very well now to do more games because he had successfully brought uh, a very old-school Japanese franchise into the modern AAA era. Yeah. I, I am skeptical that Square is going to be able to pull off the same thing because, simply because their track record is so shitty. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll have I to see. I would love to be proven wrong here. So I, would I love so, to be proven. so would I. And uh, I'm probably going to get it just by virtue of it being a new Final Fantasy game because uh, 12 is literally the only one I have not played. Right. So. Uh, and and it's sitting on my shelf staring at me every time I wake up. So, you know, I, I will eventually. Uh, so it's it's a, it's a big deal for me. I am of that I am of that generation. So we'll see. I would love to be proven wrong. Uh, I'm I'm I think I've got a healthy amount of skepticism. I'm not like scoffing at the idea of a new Final Fantasy, but We'll have to see. Uh, it's not scheduled to come out till the end of November, I think. So uh, now, mind you, didn't you play the demo? Because you got Final Fantasy Type Zero. I did. I, I played. Uh, I, I did play the demo. You didn't. You, it left you cold. I just didn't think it was enough. Hmm. I was like, you know, Which is I, interesting because I, when I heard it was going to be like an hour long demo, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, it, it's it's tough though. It's Final Fantasy is like a whole pack. Like you can't play. Uh, like a demo of seven, like where where would the demo start and end? Where would you you wouldn't get any of the satisfaction like I was talking about? Like you wouldn't be able to you know uh, discover things or build things. Like uh, everything is prefabricated in demos. It it's kind of a it's kind of antithetical to the whole uh, notion of why JRPGs are fun in the first place to like segment it and prefabricate it. So it was right. it was. I got I got a gist of it and it, nothing about it turned me off, so I'm just going to, uh, you know, wait patiently for the full game, because I know that there's so much that is lost in translation for a demo of a game this scope. I mean, hey, we waited ten years, didn't we? We certainly did, and uh, we don't have much uh, more time to wait. So uh, we'll we'll revisit this if there's any major news. Uh, but if if not, we'll probably talk about it again once it's released. But uh, Gamescom is going on right now. We might bring that up uh, next time. But uh, is there anything else you wanted to bring up before we uh, got out of here? No, no, I think we've hit our bases today. Definitely. Well, uh, make sure to check us out on Twitter at Frog Snacks, on Instagram at Frog Snacks Podcast. You can check out our home on the web at frogsnacks.net, where we will have uh, written pieces as well as all of our podcast episodes, which you can also listen to on iTunes. You can subscribe and rate and review our podcast there. And uh, until next time, later. Peace out.